it's happening and we're already five seconds in. Oh we're God, now we're almost go. 10 seconds in. It's so oh, exciting. Wow. Let's just oh. do this the whole episode. Okay. Okay. 12 seconds in. <laughs> okay. Maybe not. Jamie. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Hi, Jessica. <laughs> hi, Jess. How, How are, are you? you? Oh. oh, jinx. Jinx. Buy me a Coke. I'm good. It's, <laughs> I'm good, too. <laughs> it's 5.30 p.m. here, and it is 8.30 a.m., and it's blowing my mind that how time zones work. Yeah, I'm in Los Angeles, and you're in Paris, and here yeah. we are together on the internet. Wow. What a thing. What a glorious thing this is. Jamie, right. what are we doing here? Why don't you introduce yourself? Okay. Thank you, Jessica, for that lovely lead-in. I will. So my name is Jamie Varen, and I am a writer and designer. My company is called Shatterbox, and I do branding, creative strategy, project management, a bunch of things for really awesome clients. Most of them are women, and we have a good time. And I currently live in Paris, France, not Texas, Paris, France. And I'm here eating lots of baguettes and crepes and walking lots of stairs. Jessica, tell us about you. Okay, my name is Jessica Zolman. I am a photographer in Los Angeles. I do commercial photography, mostly lifestyle work. I uh, used to live in the Bay Area. That's how Jamie and I know each other. And um, yeah, a lot of my photography is centered around bright colors and uh, sort of feminine concepts, but in a way that is not typical of a woman who's taking photos. You, you got to check it out. We'll get there later at the end of the episode to really understand what that means. Um, but yeah, for the most part, been doing creative freelance work for the last five years. Um, and we decided to do this podcast. I mean, part of it honestly is selfish because Jamie moved away to Paris very recently and I miss her dearly. We've known each other for Oh my gosh, Jamie, how many years? 21, 22. I don't know. You're always good at math and I'm not. <laughs> I think it's tw- I think it's 22, which is oh God. terrifying. It's a whole person that's making bad decisions. Oh, but to be fair, we were 12 when we first met. So the math works out. Don't do it though, please. And <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's part of it is I just want to have conversations with my best friend. Um, and the other part is that we have so much knowledge collectively between the two of us when it comes to what it means to be making art, what it means to struggle, what it means to be outspoken, um, and wanted to mostly share our thoughts about all of that. Yes, especially because I think that both of us have somehow done what feels like the impossible, which is to make money from the things that we actually like to do and make a living out of it. And even though we've had our share of struggles, which believe me, we will get into. But we have managed to do what I think when we were that age and growing up, we thought that was impossible to like just be able to do what you like to do and make money from it. I don't know. I felt like that was just a pipe dream. Yeah, I definitely thought that I was going to have to work in an office like that was the end all be all. I mean, my mom was is an independent meeting planner, so she worked from home. So I definitely had this example growing up of what freelance looked like. Um, and it didn't seem unobtainable, but you look at what the norm and what, you know, the ideal career looks like, and it looks nothing like what even my mom was doing. What she was doing was weird. So I, for me, it was like that was an option, but not not what I was going to do. 
Also, our jobs, when we were 18, 19, going into college, our jobs that we're in now didn't even really exist. I mean, you get a lot of your work and showcase a lot of your work through Instagram. Instagram did not even exist when we were that age. So it's true. this is such a strange and interesting and transformative career because it's just transformative in the sense where it just transforms at any given moment. You're just like, well, now I have to learn how to do this thing just to stay relevant. And I think that's a conversation we've had a lot about just making it work and make it happen. And we just have the benefit of basically 22 years of blackmail evidence on each other and the photos (laughs) to prove it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, and Jamie, another interesting thing I think too is you talking about this being, you know, not outside of the norm. Your mom is also an independent business owner. Um, And so you grew up as well thinking, you know, women can do and achieve and and be anything that they want as long as they're passionate about it. So I I also find it interesting to hear you say this was not something that you ever thought was possible. Um, And same with your dad too, photographer. Um, I think both of us grew up in a town where doing not the norm made you a weirdo, but both of our upbringings were totally not the typecast upbringing. That's true. I think that my mom, when I was growing up, my mom struggled a lot to kind of find her way. She was doing a lot of things for the money. Now she's definitely, so my mom is a makeup artist and she has her own boutique in um, a small town in California called Danville. And she was always like paving her own way, but it didn't, it wasn't until I went into college that she actually went for her dream of opening her own makeup studio. And my dad, I don't know, I felt like my dad was always just doing it for the money. So I never really saw a lot of that passion. And I always felt like you gotta, you gotta do things for the money. I mean, I, I just always thought that and it's interesting because I think I've now come around to there has to be a combination of both. It can't just be all for the money or all for the passion. It has to be something in the middle and that's been a really interesting thing that has been hard to reconcile and I know you have dealt with that a lot where it's like you have to preserve your creative integrity but you also have to pay rent. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's interesting. I think uh, growing up with you, so I worked in her mom's makeup studio for almost two years. Um, Jamie left for college and I stayed in our town for community college. Um, So I worked with your mom in those early years starting at the very beginning. Um, And I think seeing her build something from literally the ground up because that studio was not the way that it looks now when we first um, opened it. Uh, And then also watching your dad on set, you know, helping out on some shoots in San Francisco a couple times with him. I remember setting up studios with him. Um, It's funny, like I saw those things and was inspired by them. And and your take is so different compared to mine, whereas my mom was just a militant monster. But that's another story for a different day. I'm sure you didn't feel the same way. (laughs) But I mean, I think money was always something that was an element to, you know, their choices. But to me, I always saw it as like, that wasn't the most important thing to them. That's why they continued to do what they were doing. Um, Honestly, I feel like both of your parents were a huge inspiration to me growing up, which is so funny to think about now. 
wow, hey, folks, this is our first time hearing of this. This is amazing. But <laughs> I, no, I'm definitely really especially inspired by my mom and how much she's been able to achieve. And she really taught me. She was just the one that made that example true to me. It really was never a question. I was like, I'm going to be, I'm going to make, do my own business. Definitely. And I saw that freedom that she had with my dad. Um, Well, I just always saw, I mean, you remember that my dad would like get mad at you if you ate the leftover pasta in our fridge. He was just always struggling with money. And I just, I guess I associated having freedom or doing your own thing and doing your art as struggle for a really, really long time. Hey, Jamie, should we tell people um, how we met? Uh, Definitely, we should. Great. Do you remember the story? (laughs) No, but I know you do because um, just to, this will be an ongoing thing on this podcast that Jessica remembers everything and I remember none of the things that she remembers. I think the thing I'm most excited about growing old with you as my best friend is that you will get to throw it in my face when I stop remembering things, being like, see, doesn't feel good, does it? Because that's where I'm at right now. I have no idea. I I mean, (laughs) I will say, I know we met, truly met and started hanging out in like late sixth grade. I don't was think it a we biology in, class? I was going to say, I don't think we were in core class together. I know we weren't in that. Core class, in case you're not from the States, when you're in middle school, um, which is grades six through eight in America, um, you have three classes that are with the same teacher. So they're still considered periods, but it's with the same teacher. So it's basically like English, history, and one other thing. I don't know, earthquake drills. That's math. <laughs> Math, thank you. Um, which is a, I don't I, that's what I remember. But that's basically a nightmare. Like you're one teacher and you're having to teach three different ugh, the worst. We just don't have money in California for school, basically. Um anyway, I know we weren't in that class together. It was either science, I wanna say it was biology. I do too. So we met. Uh, that, we, I mean that's there the was story. Labs. <laughs> I remember there being labs. Yeah. But in sixth grade. It was in sixth grade. So nineteen ninety six was when Jamie and I met. We both went to the same middle school. We did not go to the same elementary school. By the way, middle school was terrifying. That transition where there's like new people is the worst, scariest thing. And then I met Jamie and was like, oh, everything's going to be fine. Yes, we were instant friends. And then we, I definitely felt really, really like an outsider. And then when I met Jessica, I was like, oh, we're fine. Everything's going to be fine. Because then we spent every single second together. Every second. I mean, so Jamie lived, Jamie's dad lived really close to the school. And then my mom, she didn't live close, but she didn't live far. And so for her to not have to pick me up so I could go to a friend's place after school and like spend time with them and basically just not be in her hair was like the most ideal scenario. So I pretty much spent every day after school with Jamie, hence me eating all of her dad's leftover pasta. Because I was really hungry at 3 p.m. (laughs) Yeah. And also, my dad made a lot of pasta. He was just (laughs) phoning it in quite a bit. But my I mean, my house was kind of the hangout house because I had a cool older brother who always had his friends over and we all liked his friends. I was so intimidated by him. I was so in love with all of his friends. And then they were in love with my friends, which was real cool. We'll get into that. I mean, we don't have to get into that. 
We could. It doesn't matter. Anyway, Jamie, um, do we want to talk about... For art. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why we're artists. Um, speaking of being artists, though, do we want to talk about maybe what we think uh, this podcast is really going to be about? I mean, this is nice. We're having conversations. People are hearing how we know each other, what we've done. But, like, what are we doing here? Well, we're... We're discussing a lot of the things to do with being an artist that maybe we don't feel are being discussed enough or in the way that we want to discuss it. And just because of all the conversations we've had, I mean, you and I have had conversations in text, in email, waiting in line at Disneyland because <laughs> in of the that. car ride down to Disneyland in the car ride down to Disneyland lots of <laughs> Disneyland yeah we go to Disneyland a lot <laughs> um and that's been the biggest thing that we've talked about is just how do you make it work and what are all the things that go into having that creative career and creative life and what is it like to be an artist and what does it even mean I mean I, I feel like that's such a big part of both of our lives. And it's interesting that after 22 years of being friends, that is a part of us that intersects. Like that's an identity that intersects for us, which is kind of fascinating because usually friendships sometimes, you know, grow apart or go in different directions. Totally. Yeah, I think we have had, I mean, we our paths have been next to each other for so long that it kind of makes sense. It yes. kind of makes sense. I mean, you know, your parents practically raised me like a feral child. So, <laughs> um, yeah, but I think, uh, like Jamie's saying, we have so many conversations between us about this stuff. Um, and I'll also say the two of us also guest on other podcasts, and I find I get really great feedback when I'm open and honest and vulnerable when I talk about how I have anxiety, when I talk about how, you know, I wouldn't be a photographer if it weren't for some of the um, experiences I've been blessed to have, like starting out with no student loans the second I entered in the workforce. Um, I think a lot of those talks, they happen, but I also think people are a little conscious of putting their heart on the line and being brutally honest maybe in fear that they won't get work. I'm not sure what it is, but um, I do find that a lot of the times people f give feedback that that's refreshing. Um, and so I thought it would be cool, especially with Jamie, if we made a space um, where we could both have those conversations candidly with each other um, and share them out with the world. Yeah, I mean, Jessica, you are the person, every single person in your life would say, I can go to Jessica with literally anything. And I have opinions. Oh, I have opinions. I mean, I have feelings, a lot of feelings. That's oh. part of the title. I feel literally everything. Um, and I have very, very, very strong opinions. Thanks, mom, if you're listening, because she will be. And uh, yeah, I, I, I like talking about those opinions and those feelings. So here we are. Yes, and I want to encourage us both, and I think we've already talked about this, but just want to say it here that we want to be really, really honest because there's really no sense in having these conversations to, you know, we both don't want to preach or give advice or anything like that. We just want to have honest conversations about topics that maybe... Uh, you know that are really fun for us like we want to talk about money 
oh, I can't wait to talk about money and all the ways that we don't talk about it but need to talk about it and you know, things like passion and, you know, this because we both came up in a generation where it was all about doing the work that you love. you got to find your passion, your passion. That's oh, our generation. And I'm like, I started having flashbacks just then. I, oh, I've got hot. I've got the sweats. Whew. I know. OK, I'm feeling okay. my passion. About passion. I mean, oh, really. OK. <laughs> Like, you're right though you're so right that was super 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 ingrained in our upbringing is th- that concept like what does that mean and it has to be one thing and it can never change right you have one passion and you have to pursue that so obsessively that you will risk everything i mean i always think about american idol for some reason when i think about yeah. this because every time they interview them they're like i will never be happy unless I am a famous singer. And then they're not good. They're just not good. And so <laughs> yeah. it's like, well, good luck. Good luck to you. You've been, you're eating, the, I mean, you're you're drinking the Kool-Aid. I know. I think that's part of the reason why I do things half in. I, I don't know if it's me like rebelling against that concept. I, I have this... I have this desire, this want to be the best. And then I get in there and I'm like, nah, I don't have the drive to do this. There's always going to be someone better than me. You know, there's always going to be somebody who wants it more. Nah, I'm good. (laughs) And I just don't put in the effort. And honestly, to be fair, like I I also think I do that with my photography sometimes. Um, I think part of it's probably imposter syndrome. But for the most part, I think a lot of it has to do with what does that word passion mean? Am I even passionate about this? You know, I feel fulfilled when I'm taking photos. I'm constantly chasing that artistic high when I'm in the middle of a photo shoot. But afterwards, I'm like, ugh, why am I doing this? <laughs> Who is this for? Um, yeah, I, I think a lot of it has to do with me rebelling against that concept when we were growing up, to be honest. Definitely. I think that's really honest and true because what I realized really early on in my career was I could have all the passion in the world, but work still feels like fucking work. Yes. I was like, man, that is depressing. Yeah. (laughs) Even if, and I would, even if I'm at the top of my game, it's still work. Man, I just don't like the hustle. I'm not into the hustle either. I hate that word. Oh, we can do a whole episode on that word. Oh, my but, God. Put it uh, down on the notes. Ugh. But, yeah, the, I think there are some people who are into that, who, like, that becomes a part of their passion, that doing these extra things, going this extra mile, putting in this effort in tiny ways is, like, the most enjoyable thing to them. I don't know who they are. I don't know a single one of them. Ugh. That's just not for me. Like sorry, I want things to be easy. And maybe that's a part of like that millennial concept too that I always hear them olds talking about, right? Is it's like, why can't things just be a little bit easier? (laughs) What is so wrong with that? That's a really interesting question because it's, it seems like, oh my God, that's like shameful or kind of like scandalous to say that, but it's, what would be so wrong for it to be easy? I mean, hey, I'm here in Paris and people love their leisure. It will, this is changing my whole idea on the hustle. Not that I was ever fully, 
you know, subscribe to the hustle in any way. But I mean, people have other interests other than their career here, which is really interesting because it's also a very artistic city. So it's it's not about not being interested in culture or what you do or your or your um, trade or anything. It's just about also being like, can't this just be a little bit simpler? Why do I have to be burning the midnight oil? I want to be asleep at the midnight oil, please. Yeah, people really love working constantly all the time forever here. And I think that's, I come from the tech industry. We, I actually didn't talk about this. Um, I worked at Instagram. So um, I lived in San Francisco in the city, um, moved from the East Bay to the city. And I worked at Second Life, and then I worked at Formspring, and then I got a job at Instagram. Um, I, honestly, I just happened upon the app and happened to know people, and I worked there from about six months after they launched until nine months after we were acquired by Facebook. Um, and I was always on. I was always on my computer. I was always on my phone. I had to always respond to text messages. It didn't matter what time of day it was. Honestly, it probably could have been my wedding day and they would have expected me to respond to some sort of tweet or email or celebrity need, like genuinely. And that sort of lack of work-life balance to them is part of the deal. That's what happens when you work at a startup. Sorry about it. Deal with it or get the hell out. And that doesn't make sense to me. I don't think that that's how you breed a a creative, a happy, a joyful, a diverse environment. I think that's how you create people who are all like-minded making a product that is homogenous and really only for one person. And I think I, I now treat my art the opposite of how I wanted to be treated in the tech industry because I'm my boss and I get to make my hours and I get to decide when I'm on and when I'm off. And I think I give myself way, way, way more space and freedom to just sit down and enjoy a TV show without having to think about what files I need to upload to a Dropbox. I get business done, you know, but I get it done right away to the point where I can then sit back and relax. Um, I definitely procrastinated a lot more when I worked at a desk job. Yep. You figure out more effective systems for yourself when you want to get it done more effectively and you don't want to spend, when you don't have anything to prove by sitting at your computer for hours just to prove that you're hustling, you just figure out ways to get it done. But I have two other things to say. The first thing is there's actually so many studies now that say you you just don't, you're not productive after a certain point. And I think it was Sweden that has implemented a new like four, four or five, six hour workday, something like that. And there's a lot of creative good shit coming out of Sweden. So let's let's listen to them. Second thing is I think it's really interesting that you didn't bring up Instagram at the beginning because I think there was probably a time when that was so your identity that now you've just that's not even that's just part of the story. You've done yeah. so much since then, which I think is a really cool thing to have recognized and to see. Agreed. I should honestly probably change my bio on my website. Um, but I do think for a while that was my my 
pull. To me, that's what made me interesting. Um, and so when I was working or pitching myself to brands to work with and and do commercial work with, for me, I was like, oh, I should tell them that I worked at Instagram. They'll find that super interesting and will definitely hire me. Um, I've been a freelance commercial photographer for five years now, and I've worked with Google and Apple and um, all of these incredible large corporations who love my work, and it feels so rewarding and fulfilling and so much better. Also, Instagram's going to hell in a damn handbasket, and people hate it right now. So I'm like, oof, I'm just going to tiptoe out the front door backwards away from that. Um, I also have a lot of feelings about Instagram, clearly, and the direction that they took in the last five years. But... um, Um, Yeah, I think there's a little more hatred and um, distrust of them at the moment. And so I also feel not because of that, but part of it is like, oh, let's just back off that being my shtick, Um, even though I worked for them in their golden years, um, if you will. So when you did go to companies and you did tell them that you worked on Instagram, was that an advantage? I think so. Honestly, Especially in the beginning. So most of the work that I have done has been um, what's considered influencer work. Um, Mostly brands hire me for my aesthetic and my vision, but they're not hiring me necessarily so they can post photos to their social media accounts. For the most part, they want to hire me so that way I post to my social media about the brand, which is fine. I work with really cool brands and I have the luxury of being discerning and saying no if I don't like a product or I don't like a brand. Um, But in the beginning, nobody knew what the hell they were doing. So you're working with ad agencies for the most part who are like so used to traditional media. And I left Instagram just nine months after they were acquired by Facebook when agencies who were in the know were like already kind of dipping toes in. Um, I also think it's part of why I got signed to my photography agency because I had all of this insider knowledge and I knew what ads were going to look like and I knew a lot of things that were still down the road on the roadmap. And so I could bring a lot to the agency um, which represented mostly influencer or popular on Instagram photographers. Um, So yeah, it definitely was an advantage. People picked my brain all the time. Honestly, I probably could have charged a separate fee for my consultations that I was doing for free on the phone. The number of times my agent on a call would have to be like, hey, you're not hiring Jessica to give you feedback on your like roadmap. (laughs) If you want to do that, that's a separate fee. He did that a lot. It was a lot. Um, so yeah, it definitely helped. But at the same time, it also was an advantage to me to grow as a photographer because I was continuing to work with larger and larger brands and that was pushing me outside of my comfort zone. Yeah, I love that. I love that it's, you you use your experience like that, something that is impressive to people, you use it to your advantage and then shed it when it's no longer, when you've kind of surpassed that, when you don't need to use that anymore. Totally. Because I I think that's something that maybe people aren't very honest about that. Yeah, you you do have to kind of show your social clout here and then, you know, that's why people put logos on their website to show where they've been featured. There there is like this subtlety there where you have to show the social clout. But that that can't be your identity. That can't be the thing that you are so self-satisfied about that you don't grow and you don't move beyond that. Because 
you know, you could have just been the girl that worked at Instagram for a long time, but instead you created your own identity by using that experience, having that curtail into something that is now a sustainable business, which is, that's that's the ideal. I think that's really, that's a really interesting experience. And I mean, I'm, I'm inspired by that, honestly. Oh, James. I know. How you did you get, get cheesy? I know. How did you get into doing graphic design and helping brands, um, businesses create branding, essentially? Well, I started because back in when I first started college, I got this cheap version or like the, the college priced version of Photoshop. And I was like, oh, this is cheap and cool. So I'm going to get this. And I put Photoshop on my um, computer and I just started playing around, mostly because I was really into blogging at the time and I wanted to figure out how to make a blog header. And then um, I initially got hired because in 2009, April of 2009, I really wanted to work for Twitter. I was trying to break into the startup industry, the tech industry, and I had a bolt of an idea and I wanted to create this website called twittershouldhireme.com. It was like not a thing people were doing. It was still very traditional. You send your resume, you hope maybe you know someone. I tried to pull some LinkedIn strings when there was still string strings on LinkedIn to pull and like to see if I knew somebody who knew somebody. And I did this website, Twitter Should Hire Me, and Twitter was not anything really in 2009. They were only a couple years old and nobody was really using them, but I really liked them and I thought they were up and coming. The website went, for internet at that time, it went as viral as something could go. And I was interviewed for Fortune Magazine. I was on CNN. It was just a whole thing. Twitter, spoiler alert, Twitter did not hire me. What is wrong with them? I know. Well. I actually I don't blame them. I was a little hurt at the time. Obviously, I was I was kind of embarrassed. I was like, oh, well, Twitter didn't hire me. But I had no skills. <laughs> I was just out of college. And I was like, I think I can do something for you. Like basically, I had the skills to be a very, very lowly unpaid intern, because they were looking for like developers and engineers to build out Twitter. And I was like, can I just come and like be your mascot? Oh, <laughs> nothing. It was very, it was a little naive, but I used all that attention and I was, and someone called me and they said, I really like what you did for your website. Twitter should hire me. Did you design it? And I said, yeah, I did. And they said, okay, can I pay you to do my blog? And I was like, you want to pay me money? Like real money? <laughs> I was money? living at- I was living at home, by the by the way. I moved back home after college for about six months. And um, yeah, that, so that's a very big privilege to be able to do that. And I felt I needed to take advantage of that time. So I, she told me she would pay me $150 to do it. I know, I was like, damn, I am coming <laughs> up in the world. So I did it. And then the next person, I got bold and, well, actually I had a mentor. He called me on the phone and he was like, charge more. You're really, really good at this. And I was like, really? I don't think that I am. He's like, charge more. And so the next person I talked to, I said, okay, a website design is $1,000. And then 
I decided, you know what? Instead of Shatterbox being a social media blog and instead of being the girl who didn't get hired by Twitter, I'm now a graphic designer. That's what I do now. And I was like, I have a graphic design company. Anybody wanna hire me? And I started getting business. April 2009, started getting a bunch of people. And the thing that changed me forever was I, this guy called me, we had a client call and he said, I said, okay, it'll be 1500 for your website. He was starting some sort of charity. I don't know what he was doing, but he was obviously like had money to burn. And he's like, I'm paying you upfront and I'm paying you $5,000. Don't accept anything less. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. And he said, I'm sending you the money now. And I never did that website. What? He never, I did his logo and he never got back to me. And it was like a gift from the universe. More just, people like that, please. I know. It was, It changed me. It changed my whole life because he, he was like, you are so good at what you do. And I was like, I felt like the biggest imposter because I had taught myself design. I didn't go to college for it. Nothing. I just thought that I liked it. And yeah, he was like, you're taking this $5,000. And he paid it up front. And then he wow. just disappeared. <laughs> I was like, do you want your- Shout out I, to I, that guy. I know. I, <laughs> I I even emailed him and I was like, do you want your money back? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and he was so like, good. You're such a good person. I know, I know. And he didn't, he didn't even <laughs> respond. And so from then on, I started charging more. I don't charge that for everybody, but like I charge- I, I saw my value then, and um, from then, I haven't, I've done Shatterbox full-time here and there. For the most part, it's been full-time, but I've had a little, I've tried different things. I mean, what you were talking about with, you don't have just one passion forever. Like, I also write, I love writing. My passion has always to be a, has always been to be a writer. I always thought I would write a book. We will get to that, believe yeah. me. Um, but yeah, I mean, that is, that's how I got started. It was, it's kind of a long story because it wasn't just this, I went to college and then I had this idea and I started freelance. It was like, I took this situation that was about to be so mortifying, mortifying because I thought Twitter didn't hire me. They passed me off to a PR. Like I went to the office, they gave me lunch, fine. They had no intention of hiring me. And there was thousands, like hundreds and thousands of eyes on me. And I thought, this is embarrassing. And I was like, you know what? No, I'm turning this into something to my advantage. And I flipped it around and I was like, this is what I meant to do all along. (laughs) It was, yeah. It's funny that it takes some like time and perspective to look back and be like, oh, okay, all of that was supposed to happen. Got it. Oh, yeah, definitely. At the time, I was crying to my mom being like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. I'm so embarrassed. This is not working out. And I I felt like I, I had failed because at the time I was thinking, I'm so talented. How come Twitter doesn't want to hire me? Oh, man. And I was like, all these people are cheering for me as if that meant anything. But no, I don't have any skills. So, Jamie. Jamie. Anyway. Anyway, do we want to share what we're probably going to be talking about? Um, 
coming up with these podcasts yes i mean i think people have like an idea based on our conversation right now super you know macro just general things that are in our brain boxes um but yeah i think so so the idea for this podcast is that we're going to do seasons um i think that gives us some space that gives us a little breathing room um things shift quick too especially in this new media industry it's not even new media it's so old now it's like so normal i don't know what that means you guys get it though um so i think this season some of the topics we're going to talk about is definitely money like jamie brought up earlier um social media like i just brought up uh a big thing will be imposter syndrome um we literally dealt with this when trying to come up with this podcast so we'll, we'll get into that for sure uh jamie anything else you you think off the top of your head Oh, yeah. Well, the biggest thing that I'm excited to talk about is being past 30 and being an artist and also what it means to be in your 30s. And um, also, oh, God, I forgot. Oh, mental health and anxiety. Let's we have a lot of feelings about anxiety and depression. And at this point, I think the biggest thing is just this marrying of commerce and art and these little tangential topics that come off of that and the things that we go through when it comes and also like preserving creative integrity what it means to be an artist who gets to be an artist and who gets to have that title and what does it even mean and also imposter syndrome as it will probably come up every single episode every episode because it comes up every single day it is in my brain all the time constantly also (laughs) self-care and self-love and all those very very trendy things that actually are very important yeah i mean my therapist told me those things so i feel like they're actually legitimate and not just fluff words and pieces for clicks on a new york times article so yeah i think those are super important um we'll also be um all over social media with the podcast uh you know but i think in the meantime if you have ideas if you have suggestions uh just tweet at us directly at j zombie j-a-y zombie like the living dead and at Jamie Varon, J-A-M-I-E-V-A-R-O-N. And then uh, we're also on feelingfeelings.co is our website. So you can head over there and check it out and subscribe to the RSS and read more about us. But honestly, you've learned everything you need to learn about us listening to this first episode. Thank you for listening. Yeah, we're, we're a bit oversharers, but I think you need that in order to have a good podcast. And also in order to be like a good artist. That's not true. I guess you could... Well, we'll talk about that later. (laughs) Write that down as a topic. (laughs) Done. Will do. Hey, Jamie, it was great talking with you. Yeah. Hey, Jess, you too. I'm glad we got to feel all our feelings today. Oh, I felt so many feelings. So many. I love it. All right. Until next time. Bye-bye.